From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Carl Blaylock. Hi, hello, 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 and welcome into the WATH studios. I'm Carl Blaylock, alongside me, Mr. Ethan Sargent, on this wonderful Memorial Day. Hope you've enjoyed... Your uh, barbecues, your pool time, if you've had it, and obviously remember the fallen on this Memorial Day afternoon, but it has been gorgeous outside. Uh, I mean, couldn't ask for better Memorial Day weather. It is uh, picture perfect, 80 degrees, uh, clouds, some slight cloud cover, but it is a a gorgeous day in Athens, last full day in Athens for me before I head back to... uh, the old NYC, but this place trying to trying to keep me a little longer with this weather. But yeah, beautiful day. Couldn't ask for better Memorial Day weather. A- absolutely, and obviously, yesterday's weather was just as good over in Indianapolis. We got to go to the Indy 500. We'll talk about that, as well as preview the Miami Heat trying to avoid becoming the first NBA team to ever blow a three nothing series lead. Uh, and we'll delve into uh, whether. Uh, certain sports fans being a, uh, being whether teams having certain sports fans do something with their uh, with with the results of the team. No. We're thinking Drake. We're thinking me. Oh boy. <laughs> we're thinking anyone who's dating a Kardashian. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, of the curse. Oh yeah, it, and I I do believe I may be cursed. But first, uh, a little bit of a programming note. So on so on t- uh, Wednesday, we're gonna have a sports fan six oh six to six forty going into the Reds game that evening. But on that sports fan, we are going to have all of the Athens Bulldog track stars who have made it to state that is at jesse owens memorial uh track and field and that's in columbus ohio state's facilities and we're gonna have jillian borg landis corrigan Anne marie model olivia smart and sophia salusi all freshmen mind you they're all gonna they're all gonna be on the sports van along with their head coach as well so it is going to be a great sports fan. We're also trying to get uh, Nelsonville York's uh, 4x200-meter relay team onto the sports fan as well. Send out an email about that as well. We'll see. Obviously, they're going to be real busy training for the uh, event, but hopefully they'll have some time to come on and uh, you know tell, talk about you know, getting to it. And I, I mean, the, the thing that jumped out to me about Athens is all, everybody's a freshman. Everybody's a freshman on there. One of them's a relay team. You've got the four by 800 meter relay uh, with Bork, Corrigan, Smart, and Saluzzi. 
And then you got Montel going in pole vault, and then you got Saluski going on her own with a uh, with the two mile. But that's insane that you have three events going, and it's all populated by freshmen. That is insane. Just show just shows some of the uh, athleticism in that grade for Athens. But uh, definitely really really cool. But talking about the Indianapolis 500 you know we were in attendance we were on the grounds of the hollowed speedway and uh it was it was a fun day started at 4 30 in the morning leaving from my uh uh childhood home up in Edgerton and uh I woke up at 4 30 Ooh, wow we did not get enough sleep <laughs> uh but made the trip down to Indianapolis got in pretty easily with the traffic actually it was kind of surprised by that and we were on the grounds of the speedway by 9 a about 9 a.m actually before that closer to 8 30 uh then went to the we got to get uh passes onto pit lane so we got garage access and was walking around the pit lane and uh, it's awesome the amount of access you get uh for any car yeah you can go down uh into the garage area you can kind of look into those garages take a look at the cars uh take a look at the teams making kind of final preparations uh so we were able to watch as a lot of the teams wheeled the cars out from the garage onto the pit lane track and by this point it was still fairly cloudy the sun did end up coming out right around race time which was 12 45 eastern um then uh you know we saw um, i think the last half of the cars get wheeled out uh, then we stuck around in the garage for about 10 more minutes, you know, saw some cool stuff. You know, a lot of they, they had some of the wings on display, some of the, you know, the tires and stuff. And then we went to the pits, um, you know, saw a couple of the drivers hanging out. We saw Will Power driving his own golf, golf cart, cart, yeah, which was uh, interesting to say the least. Um, you know, got to see the bricks, which were right there. You know, you can't you can't go on the bricks. But you can look like right where they do the driver introductions. We were right next to that. Uh, and it was really cool. Uh, so, you know, saw a lot of saw a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, took a lot of pictures, and then you know we got up to our our seats, Carl, which were right around uh, right right at the exit of turn four. Yep, exit of turn four, right before the entrance to the pit lane. And so we were able to watch the race from there. And as a fan, I mean, it was. It was an interesting race, and I'll, I'll go some of the highlights about being a fan with that. You know, uh, the people you know the people around you are super friendly, and the way that the tickets work for the Indy 500 is you can renew your same seats. So uh, the people in front of us were the same people who sat there year before. So you know, it, it's nice to foster relationships. I have no clue who their names are, no clue. Um, I really next year if they're still there, I'm I'm gonna ask them <laughs> and talk to them a little bit more with it. But anytime they didn't know what was going on in the race, they looked back to me, and I tried to explain it to them. And uh, yeah, I had to look at them too. I don't know if you heard, if anybody heard the sports fan on Friday, but I think I demonstrated how limited my knowledge of IndyCar was, and still kind of is. I, I'm definitely a, a casual, is what the kids are saying these days about uh, following sports like that, where I'll tune in every so often and I'll watch the 500 every year. But you're not going to catch me, you know, on a random Sunday in June. You probably won't catch me watching the IndyCar more likely than not and that's not a knock on IndyCar that's just because I've got other things to do but it was a heck of a race Carl and 
Um, Absolutely. We watched, uh, you know, the first 100 laps fairly smooth. Not it, much happened in terms of that, but then the strategy started to come into play, and then things got wacky. The strategy was getting into play anyways. Uh, the first 100, about the first 90 laps all ran green. And, I, you know, I kept tabs on strategy pretty much the entire race. And that's one of the beauties about our seats. We're sitting right next to the pit entrance. So we can sit there and we can go, all right, this is who they're pitting. They've got this long. They can go on the fuel tank. I'm sitting there calculating that all in my head while the race is going on. Um, but, I mean, you just saw the strategy develop. You had a few cautions. We had a split strategy because we had a caution around 150. And that was interesting. Uh, it, it was setting up for a real interesting finish. Then 15 to go and a big crash uh, over in turn two. And we were kind of reminded, you know, hey, you know, safety's come a long way, but it's still dangerous to be a fan of the Indianapolis 500 once in a while. Tire flew off a car, got sheared off a car, went flying towards the grandstands, just went past the grandstands, missed the grandstands. And uh, ended up hitting a Chevy Cruze, which uh, uh, named Snowball, actually. They uh, found the person who owned the car and uh, obviously got towed away. I wish it was in the museum, but they probably don't want that in the Indianapolis Museum. I don't think that quite goes along with Ray Haroon's car and all that such. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, I I was really close. And uh, obviously we're in turn four, so we didn't have that worry, but... You know, that is something you got to worry about when you go to attend these races. But it triggered a red flag. So the red flag comes out. And I think it was during this red flag that they started doing, because one of the red flags, there was three of them. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second, because the finish is quite controversial. Yeah, the, the tire was but the first red flag. The tire was the first. It took well, them a while to clean that one up, because the car flipped, and it skidded across the track, and I'm sure there was carbon fiber everywhere. And then the second red flag was Pato Award, who I thought was, you know, when we were talking strategy earlier, he was the guy that I thought had the best shot in terms of how the strategy is working out, because he, he had stayed the out. Tires. He He actually, excuse me, he went in when... I think the top 12 stayed out. He was the first guy to go into the pits, and it worked for him. It really did. He, he got up to, like, third or fourth. The strategy really worked in the long run. And then the red flag hits, and he comes out in second, and he made a really aggressive move on Erickson, and it caused him to lose the car. That sparked another red flag with six to go. And I forget if it was during the first red flag or the second red flag, but Something that really fun happened in the stands. I don't even think they got this on TV, but it's just part of the great thing about going to the Indy 500 as a fan. But uh, uh, they started doing the wave. Everyone started doing the wave. They started doing the wave right by the pit entrance, and they're sitting there doing the wave, and then it would get to the end of our stand and go into turn four, and they quit doing it. They wouldn't do it. And so everyone's going like, hey! So they try doing it again. Still nothing. Again, still nothing. At this point, you got one-figure salutes and all sorts of names are being hurled over into turn four. And the one thing I can say is they started chanting, turn four sucks. And they continue to do it. Eventually, it got about midway through the turn and then it didn't go any farther. And then somebody on the other side uh, by the turn four entrance started doing it and got all the way to the pit exit or pit entrance. But, I mean... (laughs) It was hilarious to just watch this go on in 10 minutes, you know. I, I'm not a big fan of the wave. I never have been. 
And uh, I, so the first time he came through, I was, you know, I'll do it. I'll participate. And Carl's like, no, he, no. you know, he's mm. sitting cross crossed arms, you no. know, frowny face. No, yeah. I'm not no. doing it. No. It's but then way. after the tenth time, he was like, you know, he, he still didn't do it, but he stood up. Uh, you know, because well, it was hilarious. I'm oh, sitting, I'm great. sitting there laughing. Got a kick out of it too. <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm sitting there laughing about the hardest I did that entire weekend, just sitting there laughing because I, it was, it was and hilarious. So, so I, I know now. Well, 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 I know you want to talk about this next thing. This, yes, this finish. So let's so, set the scene first. Let's set the scene. So after the Padua Award, they have the red flag. It's going to be a four lap shootout. They're going to go green with four laps to go. And when they go to go green, um, they go green. And the way IndyCar does restarts is the pace car speeds away. They go into the pit lane. And then the car, the leader, controls the field. And he pretty much decides when to go. Uh, Once they get into the final turn and once he starts accelerating... In that final turn, the starter waves the green flag. Once the green flag is waved, there is no... You can fan out however long is possible. And remember, the they green actually, flag is out. They actually... Padua Ward, after the first red flag, was the leader. And remember, they made him do it again. They made him... Do, so after the first red flag, Paddle Award was in the lead, and they made him reach. They made him do an extra pace lap because remember they they he they said he waited too long. He did because so, he was he was they were on the exit of four, and he still hadn't accelerated yeah, because he was waiting he was as to play long as possible until finally accelerating, so he could get a big jump and no uh, slipstream, no drafting. Um, so nothing like that happened on that one. But they're sitting there, they're driving. I believe it was New Garden's in the lead at this point. New Garden takes the green flag. They're all going. They fan out. They're three wide for the lead. Then in the back, everyone's trying to fan out on the front stretch. It's a little bit narrow over there. They run out of room, and they crash into the pit wall. Right after the leaders have gone past the start-finish line. The crash happened before the start-finish line. So at this point, technically, there are three laps to go. Yes, the, the caution flag comes out immediately. And they go around. They go through the crash site once. There's three laps to go now. Now, and here's where the problem is. And IndyCar's had controversy like this before. Is when the caution comes out and there's just been a pass for the lead... Where is that caution? When does the caution start? Etc. Uh, if any race fans remember uh, the 2002 yep. Indy 500 between uh, the controversy between uh, Helio Castro Neves and uh, uh, Paul Tracy. Paul Tracy still contends to this day that he won that race. He was past Castro Neves when the yellow light came on. Now... I, I still haven't seen a replay of whether Erickson was out in front, but it was very, very close. And there's the whole problem of they didn't even make it to the first corner. Nope. The white, or the excuse me, the yellow flag was out before um, they were all still fanned out, and it was three wide with uh, Santino Ferruli for the for, lead. Uh, Ferrucci. Ferrucci, excuse me. But they were three wide for the lead. It honestly could have been any of them. You can, I mean, we're all the it, way it, in the back. You can't tell. We're yeah. looking at the screens as the cars are going around the backstretch. And we couldn't tell. Then, right, and there are this, three. And this is where the problem comes in. They go through the crash site once on the front stretch, and they had to wiggle their way through there. And so... 
they decide, and mind you on this, so let, let me set the stage even farther. Back in 2020, the 2020 Indianapolis 500, with four or five laps to go, uh, with four or five laps to go, um, Takuma Sato's leading, Scott Dixon's in second, and looks like it's shaping up to be a really good race. They're on different, differing tire strategies, and Dixon's catching Sato. But with four, uh, with five to go, there's a big crash. The pit wall uh, at uh, the at the end of the pit wall, they have this big foam block to you know I, shield yeah, the end I of the pit this. wall. Somebody they crash, they crash into that everywhere. Foams everywhere on the front stretch. It's taking them a half hour to clean it up. More than that, yeah. and, and plus this is a COVID year. They started the race at 3 p.m., so it's a little bit different. And they Andy Car Race Control decides. There's not enough laps remaining. We're not going to throw the red flag. That's with four laps to go. The crash happened with five to go. Uh, they would have had to red flag it with three to go. They'd have to pull down into the pits. They'd have to go warm their tires, give the one to go single, and then they would have to take the checkered flag when they come back around for the one to go single. So they just decide, all right, we're just going to have, we're going to finish under yellow. That was just three years ago. In this situation, IndyCar, similar situation, minus the foam on the track. IndyCar decides to red flag the race with two laps to go. And when they did that, everyone, everyone is surprised. Uh, PA announcer Alan Bestwick, he's been calling NASCAR and IndyCar races for years, years and years and years. He's been in the sport for about a good 20, 30 years uh, in auto racing. Uh, 30, honestly, closer to 30 years. Um, he's the PA announcer for IMS, uh, for the Motor Speedway. He was surprised that they threw the red flag. And I remember sitting there in the stands going, if Alan Bestwick is confused on what you are doing in a certain situation, maybe that means you shouldn't do it. So... I was completely against this because what it set up was a one-lap shootout on cold tires. They were going to go out. They get the one to go as they leave pit lane. They go around the track once. The pace car pulls in, and they race the final lap. It's not unheard of for them to race the final lap, but that was just after a regular caution. It was a one-lap shootout after caution, and it wasn't like a red flag situation. This... I did not like at all. But I will say before I completely lambast IndyCar for it, I will say this. They wanted to avoid another 2002 style controversy. Plus, since the caution, I think if they make if the if they make it through turn 1 and that crash happens in turn 1 on that on the second to last restart, I don't think they red flag the race. I think they let it run through. But since it happened on the front stretch, before the leaders even got to turn one, they decided, you know what, we're going to red flag the race. So now the field is set, right? They get them back out there, and it's a one-lap shoot. I filmed a great video on my phone with the whole lap. Um, so they come out, great restart by both Erickson and Newgarden. They both got great starts. 
uh, it stays one two like that, and the the re- it's kind of a two horse race at that point. The rest of the field kind of dropped off, and then on the back stretch, it's the most replayed moment of the 500. Newgard makes a phenomenal move going around and then cutting inside Erickson, taking the lead on him with about. I'd say a mile and a half left in the Indy 500, taking taking the lead on him there. They come through three, and they come through four unscathed, and then Erickson dives down low to try and you know make a last ditch pass. Erickson, or excuse me, Newgarden somehow gets down there to block that. And then Erickson once again in last ditch attempts to try and pass him, goes back up. He doesn't get there. Newgarden wins by about a car length in the Indy 500, and it was a thrilling finish, but. As you said, I had this conversation with a guy, uh, you know, we had a quick bathroom break before we hit the road. Um, This guy right outside the bathroom, he was like, wow, that was a heck of a race. That was awesome. But that was the most NASCAR beep I have ever heard or ever seen in my life. And I was like, you know what? I agree. But that's what sells tickets, right? When you look at it from a business perspective, and we've had this conversation, I think, two or three times at this point. NASCAR has those sort of situations all the time because they have a green-white checkered system in place where if there is a caution like there was at that point in the race, they extend the race. It goes a little bit longer where they get a green flag and then a white flag and then a checkered flag, and it just keeps going. And usually, unless you're on a super speedway, they get through it, right? And the thing is, IndyCar doesn't do that. IndyCar has – the race can end under caution, it cannot end their caution really much any unless it's on the white flag. Yeah. The race can't end in caution anymore. NASCAR, but I know that I want, and I know that you're itching to explain it. Explain why you have beef with the ending. So, obviously, yes, NASCAR has the um, NASCAR has the green white checkered and whatever. And normally, they just at that point the race has descended into uh, basically a demolition derby, especially on super speedway races. And the Indy 500 for IndyCar is a super speedway race and you were seeing some really gutsy moves and my whole thing indycar is not nascar these are open wheel cars it is a dangerous sport i mean we talked earlier about the tire that nearly went into the crowd that's something that you you can't you can't risk that it's something that is too risky to just be able to throw them out on that especially on cold tires you got to remember those are cold tires yep uh, they're not used to having completely cold tires and going on a restart. That that in itself is dangerous. So I I don't agree with it. The racing purist in me did not like that ending at all. Was it cool? Yes. Was it something that should have happened? No. And there's a ton of different aspects going involved with that as well. Um, namely... The fact that a Penske car won and that second red flag benefited a Penske car, I don't think it matters that much. But my key in it is basically, look, you, you can't be doing that with basically fire jets that are on the ground. You are risking life and limb, and that's just not smart to do. You have had, especially with IndyCar's track record, you already had a, a driver injured on the Monday of 500 week, uh, during practice, you had a driver fracture his vertebrae and be unable to compete in the race. You cannot play with drivers' lives like that. And so while it was entertaining and for the TV product, it's something that should not happen again, in my opinion. And again, I really think it was just 
Uh, and again, I really think that second red flag was just IndyCar covering themselves after they probably had no idea who the leader was. But it is it is frustrating. You know, the drivers are frustrated. And I mean, it, it's it's a controversial finish. And you'll have those at, Indy fi- at the Indianapolis 500. But it, it just, despite the great finish, and yeah, you got a, a green flag finish, it just, I don't know, something just didn't feel right with it. At the end, uh, you know, it's not going to keep me from renewing my tickets and stuff, but I, I disagree with where race control went with it. But it didn't damper a great day of racing and a great day of fun out in the stands for sure. Anyways, we'll take a time out when we come back. We'll talk about the NBA and the Eastern Conference Finals. The Boston Celtics looked like they were going to be dead after getting killed in Game Three. But you got to remember, I'm a Heat fan. The Heat have blown a 3-0 lead. Will the Celtics complete the reverse sweep? We'll discuss after the break. You are listening to The Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Here's what's going on. It's peanut butter jelly time. It's peanut butter jelly time. That's right. It's time for the 16th annual peanut butter and jelly project. Let's feed kids in Athens County this summer. How you say? Well, you can help out by organizing a PB&J drive. Place a box in a shared office space to collect jars from members of your organization. Make it a fun competition. And when you get a winner, call us and we'll come pick it up. Or you can make a financial donation to the PB&J project. Any monetary donation will be used to purchase bread and jars of jelly and peanut butter to distribute through the summer. Or you can drop off a personal donation at the Athens County Children's Services. Please make sure it's in all original packaging. There will be a collection box in front of Building 10. Call the Athens County Children's Services at 740-592-3061 for more information. That's what's happening from your friends at 970 and 97.3 FM WATH Power 105. We've all got our daydreams, right? Little things, big things, things you know one day you'll do. Then out of nowhere cancer and all your plans don't change a bit i would know i'm about to jump out of an airplane with my dad our first time skydiving solo and my second year since starting cancer treatment at ohio health all right dad let's go you keep making plans visit ohiohealth.com slash keep making plans you're listening to 970 wath and the sports fan It is the sports fan, Carl Blaylock, Ethan Sargent, with you in the WATH studios. It's warm in here. Very warm. <laughs> yeah, well, we got we got the window, we got the shades open, and that, that probably didn't help things. It's probably baked in here all afternoon. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous Memorial Day here in Athens County, and uh, 8.30 has been staring at me since Saturday night. The heat. At one point, up three games to none in the series. Last Tuesday, I was sitting there going, I can't wait to see the Heat win. Something good is finally happening for for one of my sports teams. I can't believe it. Now, oh no. Oh no. The Celtics have already done the unthinkable to get this to a game seven. Only the fourth time in NBA history that's happened. The first since 2003. Uh, the Mavericks were taken to 
a seventh game after being up three games to none by the Denver Nuggets in the first round of the 20, 2003 playoffs. Um, yeah. Uh, it's never happened in a conference finals. Uh, the other two times it's happened, it happened in 1994. The Denver Nuggets uh, had to hold off the Utah Jazz. Denver's involved in all of them. No, not well, all, not of, all them. of them. I, I meant that. Uh, and then the, the, the first one was the Rochester Royals. Uh, oh, wow. Over they, the New York Knicks wow. back in 1951 in the NBA Finals. New York uh, on New York playoff action. Uh, absolutely. And that was old, 1951. Yeah. But uh, it is not not good. No. Not um, good for the Miami Heat. And I think the worst part is they did everything right. They did everything right in game six. Um, the only thing, Boston shot better field goal percentage, but the, the Heat shot 47% from three. The rebound rebounds were even. Boston had seven more turnovers than Miami. Miami only had five turnovers the entire night, and it all, it looked like it was over. It looked like it was over. The Heat are up 103, 102, three seconds to go. It'll probably get forgotten at this point, but Jimmy Butler, three clutch free throws in the, you know, in the clutch. Um, Absolutely. I think there's two reasons they lost game six. Obviously, me and Carl were, were in a little bit of a dead zone. We weren't watching. We were still, uh, you know, we were up in Well, Ohio, we're, we're, we're in Northwest Ohio. We're getting in, ready for we're the, in the 500. <laughs> and... There are two things. I went back and, and looked at you know the highlights and stuff, and there's two big reasons. Number one, Duncan Robinson missed two wide-open threes late in the game with under a minute left. Mm-hmm. Um, the Heat, yeah, they shoot they shoot 48 percent from three, but you gotta hit you gotta hit your you gotta hit your baskets when they when they mean something. You gotta you have to be, be lethal in the NBA playoffs. We've seen Steph Curry hit so many clutch threes down the stretch. We've seen LeBron and you know all these playoff performers make plays when it matters. And Duncan Robinson couldn't do it for the Heat. And then the second reason, obviously, the most replayed play from the night, Derek White with the tip in at the end of that game. Nobody. So here's what happened on it: Derek White inbounded the ball, and the Heat. They did it perfectly, except I believe they double teamed. Uh, they double teamed Tatum. Yep. They double teamed Tatum with Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent was supposed to be on the inbounder. He double teamed Tatum. It had to go to like probably the third or fourth option to Marcus Smart. Yeah. Smart shoots the three. Three almost went in. By the way, kind of unlucky that didn't go in. It bounced out. Yeah. The three bounces out. But remember, Vincent is guarding Tatum. Nobody is guarding Derek White, who dives to the basket and tips it in. With literally point one on the clock, not nothing. He had no room to, uh, you know, couldn't have held onto it for any longer. But yeah, Derek White makes the play of the series so far, and now the Heat are scrambling. It's over. I, I as a Heat fan, and I, I literally, I, I, for lack of a better word, I was caterwauling when this game <laughs> goes final on Saturday night. Great word. Absolutely caterwauling. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was, I was so sad. I was so mad. Uh, you have a great picture of me. Uh, we have. Uh, let, let, let's pull up a quote from it. One that is not too colorful because I, mm, grr. So Carl, uh, Carl was not happy. But I let me, while you pull that up, I'm going to be the advocate here why this series is very much not Celtics to win. The Celtics to win, right? He obviously won those three games in a row, and now you know now they're reeling. But the last four teams that have had the opportunity 
have not won that game seven. You got to think that the Celtics have poured everything out in these last four games, or the last three games, excuse me, all the stops, right? When your backs are up against the wall, you're giving everything. There is no, you know, there's no room. The Celtics had zero room for error. And then the same thing goes tonight. Their backs are still against the wall. And if they slip up tonight, all their, excuse me, all their hard work from the past three games will be for nothing. So, you know, when you think about how the Heat have played over the past three games, I agree with you that in game six, based on the stats and based on, you know, the things that I saw, they played probably their best game of the three that they've lost in this series. But that doesn't matter, right? You lose by a point, you could lose by 30 points. It's still an L on the scoreboard. So I think at the end of the day tonight, they have to, have to, have to come out with intensity and energy. If they come out flat, it's going to be, they're going to be down 15 before they know it. And the series will be over. It's going to be, it's going to be game five again. Yep. It's going to be game five again. And that's what I think it's going to be. I really, Boston does not lose game sevens in the garden. They don't. Not well, game well, seven. So obviously it is uh, obviously the series circumstances have been much different, but it is a rehash of last year in that we are once again in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Butler last year had that shot that was oh so close to sending Miami to the finals. It rimmed out. He said last year we're we we're, we're gonna get right back here. And it has not been an orthodox path for the Heat, but they're there. Right? We're right back where we were a year ago in, in game seven. Um and I think again, it's going to have to be Jimmy. He, he, I don't think he played his best games in Game Five or Six. Um, he's going to have to be better tonight um, if the Heat want any chance of winning this basketball game. They're going to have to feed Jimmy the ball, get him good shooting opportunities. The Heat are going to have to keep up that clip from three. A forty-eight percent is what you want. But then they, they did, the, the flip yeah. of that is that they didn't shoot well from the field. No, they didn't. And I, I think the most frustrating thing in the stat that is literally pulsating at me it is that important is despite the fact that the heat had seven less turnovers than the boston celtics boston still outscored the heat on points off turnovers boston had 11 points off turnovers miami five or six sorry six off of how many boston turnovers off of 12 Actually, no, I think, hold on, let me double check this real quickly, looking at game, um, they might, I think ESPN actually does that weird. They did, I do know that Miami had less turnovers than Boston. Yes, no, they do it weird. They do it weird where they put the points off, but still, 11 points off 12, 11 points off 12 turnovers. Less than a point of possession. Exactly, that, that's. Can't happen. You, you gotta get more than that. In this league, in in this NBA, that can't happen. You, you have to do better than that, and, and look. Again, when we look back, when we look back on the series, regardless of what happens tonight, you know it, it's going to be remembered, right? Uh, people are going to think about it. And now, I mean, you have to think about the implications as Denver, you know, kind of chills in you know the mountains. They're hanging out, getting rested. They completed the sweep over the Lakers. They're going to be about as fresh as any NBA Finals team has ever been in terms of getting guys a hundred percent. Um, you know, giving the league MVP runner-up and before that the back-to-back league MVP in Nikola Jokic some time to get healthy. Jamal Murray's played fantastically these playoffs. Been one of the, you know, might be the playoff MVP if there was one of those, if there was a Con Smythe in the in the NBA. I think Jamal Murray would probably be the front-runner. Um, he's been so good for uh, Denver. Big reason why they are where they are. And their role players have stepped up. And I think that both teams will struggle against Denver. I, I don't think that either team would be able to 
they'll be able to compete, but I think they're both going to struggle big time against Denver. It, it, forget the help, but in terms of both teams competing against a team like Denver, it's going to be tough for them. Now, going back to tonight and which team is going to end up meeting Denver in those finals, I, I just I can't even put a finger on it because I, I want to – obviously, you know, everybody wants to stay Boston, right? You know, they've got all the momentum. They've got all the plaudits there. You know, it, when you look at the teams on paper, they're probably the better basketball team. When you look at how the series is going right now, they're – again, everything's at their back. But the Miami Heat have found ways. The The entirety of these playoffs, they've found ways. They, were, they, they won in five games – against the number one seed in the the Eastern Conference. You know, the Knicks pushed them harder than the Bucks did. They took down the Knicks in six games. And now the Celtics have pushed them harder than either team had. And could they keep that going? Five, six, seven, who knows? But I think that I think it's gonna be a close game. I disagree with you that it's gonna be a blowout. I think it's gonna go right down to the wire. Uh, might be just like last year where it comes down to one shot. Jimmy Butler rimmed out in twenty twenty two. Maybe he hits the shot this year. Maybe that's the story. Maybe. I don't know. I'm Right now I'm looking at the stats and I'm just seeing Boston. And I'll be it. This well, was that, a regular that's, season. That's the other thing about the ESPN and Analytics. ESPN has had Boston the whole series. They had, they had it at a 97% chance at the beginning of the series. Then obviously, you know, when it was 3-0, people were kind of clowning on ESPN. They had saying, 72. And they clowned them enough to where they changed 72 it. 72%. And you're like, how on earth are they thinking this? But now it's been one of the best comebacks ever because you're thinking, oh, my goodness, maybe they were right all along. It, it's the and Corgi. It's on, it's on it, the, it, it's the Corgi. It, it's just like the Corgi in the round two series between the yeah, uh, Warriors, and Lakers. Warriors and the Lakers. And I really hope so, that this time the Corgi is, well, just like the last time <laughs> the Corgi is wrong. But I, I'm i going to say big picture here. If the Miami Heat lose this, the Miami Heat will never be the same team again. This is a back-breaking loss. This is 20. Let's, let's look at the Atlanta Falcons. They have never been the same since 28-3. to yeah, three. That's a good point. They've never been the same. This is a loss that you do not recover from for years. It took decades, maybe. I mean, look, I'm a Yankees fan. They would they'd give the Yankees some company and in infamous uh, 3-0 comebacks, and it'd be to another Boston team. But it took the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees are a different organization and franchise when it comes to success. But it took them a few years to really get back to that level until they won the series in 2009. And maybe you know, maybe it has that effect. Who knows, right? But legacies are on the line tonight. I, there's no doubt about that. Jimmy Butler's legacy, big time. He's laid it out. He's talked the talk all playoffs, right? And up until game four, it was going great for him. Now, he's got this is a legacy game right here for Jimmy Butler. Jason Tatum, right? He's he's performed pretty much since that that awful first three quarters in game six against Philly. He has stepped up. Phenomenal in game seven. Phenomenal in game six in that last quarter. He stepped up in, in a lot of ways for Boston over these past three games. Who's going to be tonight? Who's the guy? You know, those are your two superstars, Tatum on one side, Butler on the other. Who's going to be the guy? Last In game six, it was Derek White making the play right at the end. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Derek White again? Is it going to be somebody like Struess, Vincent, or Caleb Martin, one of Vincent, the role players? Vincent is a game-time decision. 
That's another big thing, right? He played in Game 6. I think his minutes were a little bit limited. It's clear that he's still being affected by that ankle injury, and it has not helped the Heat. They have struggled to shoot the ball in the mid-range without Gabe Vincent. Um, will it be a guy like Duncan Robinson who missed those two big threes late in Game 6? Maybe he'll get a chance to right those wrongs. Um, you have to wonder, in that situation, are the Heat missing a guy like Tyler Hero? You'd think that he'd make one of those two shots. He's probably the Heat's best pure shooter outside of Robinson, you know, when he's not missing those big shots. I think if I had to take a prediction, if I had to take a swing at tonight, I'm going to say Boston by three. I think it's going to be a close game. Like I said, it's going to go right down to the wire. I think it'll be a very similar scene to last year where Miami gets a shot to maybe win or tie the game late, and it'll rim out. Boston by three. I... I think that the... Uh, by the way, I was spot on with game five, by the way. Let me put that out there. Yeah, yeah you were. No, try, I texted you about that at, during the game. Like, did you really have to do that? <laughs> did you have to be spot on oh. about that? But the one key... Something For your sake, key. I hope I'm wrong tonight. <laughs> yeah, if not, you're going to have to carry me. Uh, <laughs> you, might have to, you might have to do some back working uh, <laughs> tonight. But one key stat for the Miami Heat in game six... 46 minutes on the floor for Bam Adebayo. Four for 16 shooting, Gotta only be 11 points. He have did have a better. plus six. He had a plus six, plus minus. Crazy. But you have to shoot better. You cannot shoot 25% in game seven. I disagree with you that for the Heat, it's going to come down to the star players. I think both star players are going to play really well. I don't think Tatum explodes like what he did for game in game seven against Philly. I think he maybe goes for... Um, I, I think at the most he goes for 35. I think Jimmy goes for 30. It's going to come down to the secondary stars. It's going to come down to Bam on a bio and Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown. You, you pick that for the uh, Celtics. It's going to come down to either Brown or Smart for the Celtics and Bam on a bio for the Heat. Bam has to play a better game than game six. Offensively, he has to shoot at least 35% from the field generous and he has to get he has to, well 35 percent from the field and he has to get 20 he only had 11 you can do what you do on the defensive side you got 13 rebounds that's great you have to get points you have to score points so we'll, we'll see what happens and also another thing kevin love didn't play in that last game He's provided some spark for the Heat, especially throughout the playoffs. He has. He's, he's given them some good shooting. Uh, maybe maybe he gets back into the rotation, especially if Vincent isn't 100% healthy. I, I, I think he'd be a sure bet to get back into the rotation at some point. So now I want you to call it like I did. So who by who? Who by how much? I mean, obviously, I want the Heat to win. Yeah. Um, but remove, remove the biases. Remove what you want to happen. What do you think? Even with the biases, I mean – I, and albeit, as most sports fans are, I am a humongous pessimist. We're going to have this conversation after the, after the commercial yes. break. <laughs> uh, and I have every right to be a pessimist. I have every right to be as big of a sports pessimist as I have been. I just, I, I know the Heat culture. I know Jimmy's going to be ripping roaring. I don't know how everyone else on that team reacts. And I, blowing a 3-0 lead... And losing Game Six the way that they did, I like liken that to. I've solved several examples, um, not from the NBA. Well, no, not from the NBA, but you know other other uh, places. 
other leagues. Um, look at Major League Baseball. Um, you know, the Yankees lose that heartbreaker, and I'm leaving either in Game 5. Yeah. In Game 5, they lose that heartbreaker I mean, that in 12 whole, innings. That whole series. <laughs> that series was over after that point. Everyone knew going into that Game 7, Boston was going to win. The Yankees were dead on That one is that that's that game was in New York, and New York were the team that were on the comeback. Yes, um, another th- not we're being comeback on. And, and another thing I liken it to is Game Six of the 2011 World Series. The Rangers are one strike away. Yeah. from the World Series, they give up the David Freeze triple, and then later in the David game, Freeze the walk off home run. Yeah, and they lose Game Seven. It wasn't even a fight. It wasn't even a fight. That is what I am worried it's going to be tonight. I know you don't think that, and I know it's the heat culture, but I am very worried that we're going to show up flat and we're we're going to lose. Yeah, it's like I said. If, if the heat do show up flat, it... it we're we're going to know in the first quarter. It's gonna, it, it, it's it, gonna we're going to know in the day. first quarter. If, if the first quarter, and we're down by more than 10 at the end of the first quarter, it's over. It's over. So we're going to have to see what happens tonight. I am going to be very stressed, um, and that, that's an understatement. Um, but uh, I don't know. It is, it's rough for me to be a sports fan. We're going to talk about sports fan curses after the break and give our surefire hot picks right here on The Sports Fan, presented by JNK Contracting. What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Hi, everybody. I'm Jack Hanna. Since I was a boy growing up on a farm in Tennessee, I've been fascinated with animals. I'm not only in awe of their beauty and kindness, but also their tireless work ethic. Just look at the birds who gather supplies to build nests or Swiss foxes who work hard to provide for their young. Or penguins who travel up to 500 miles to secure food for their families. Or bush babies whose impressive jump allows them to navigate the trees in the wild in search of fruit. This remarkable work ethic is shared by our best friends, the canines. We know dogs as our wonderful pets at home, but because of their acute senses, they also perform life-saving work every day. Dogs keep us safe at airports. They comfort returning veterans, some of whom suffer from PTS. They work with diabetics, alerting them when there's a change in their blood chemistry. Working dogs have a variety of highly trained roles that contribute to society and help those in need. So please join me and American Humane in supporting our heroic working dogs and all the amazing animals on this planet we inhabit together. Go to AmericanHumane.org to learn more. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Local teams, local opinions, the sports fan on 970 WATH. This is how I feel going into this game. That's exactly how I feel going into this game. I am 
locked in, nervous, all the words, all the words. It is the sports fan, local Heat fan, Carl Blaylock and Ethan Sargent with you. Uh, for our surefire hot picks, we'll get those out of the way now. Uh, I'm going to go over 204 in the Miami-Boston game. I think 204 is a little bit low. There's got to be defense, but I do think that it's similar to game six, where I think we just get over that over. I'm expecting a 106 or a 110 to like 104 finish to this game. So give me the over 204 points. So I'm going to disagree. I mean, I'm not taking this from a hot pick. I disagree. Game sevens have a history of going under. But um, tonight I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go baseball. Um, I'm going to take the Angels – uh, plus one and a half against the Chicago White Sox. Angels coming off a four-game sweep in Miami. Is that at the White Sox? Yes. Um, they're coming off a sweep in Miami. You got to think they're not, they're, you know, teams like, I mean, look, I know that the Angels have had their ups and downs over the years in terms of bouncing back and actually sustaining success. But I, I'm going to take them to bounce back tonight and, and beat a White Sox team that has just not lived up to expectations this year. Uh, pitching tonight for them. Michael Kopech, he's got a 4.13 ERA so far this year. You got Shohei, you got Trout. Let's ride with the Angels. Money line? No, no, plus one and a half on the run line. All right. Looking at, you know, fans, and I've been on this show multiple times, and I've sat there and I've complained about my fandoms. And it makes good radio, which is unfortunate. Maybe that shows I have a career in this because literally I I I am I am the punching bag uh, for whatever decides the sports up there or honestly down there for me honestly <laughs> I don't know it is it is rough it is rough and uh, I don't know man I am a Colts fan Andrew Luck retiring and since then I've had no joy. I called in 2021, and Ethan can attest to this. Week one, the Indianapolis Colts lose, and I remember sitting there and going, that's going to cost us because we're going to get to week 18. We're going to be in playoff position, and we're going to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville to miss the playoffs. What do you know? Week 18 rolls around. Week 17. No, week 17, we have a chance to win it. We lose to the Raiders, and as soon as we lost that game, I'm like, oh, no, it's over. It was a very close game. And and so now the Raiders have their own destiny partially in their own hands because of that head-to-head win. If the Colts lost and the Raiders took care of business against the Chargers, if you remember that whole fiasco, then the Raiders were in. So... We, me and Carl, go to a local Athens joint courtside pizza. We got some pizza. Great pizza. I'm a big fan of it. Even from New York, as a pizza snob, I, I'm a big fan of courtside pizza. Um, we're over there. We're watching. Uh, and before you know it, the Colts are down. What? No, before we even got there, mind you. Before we even got there, I'm looking at my phone. and Oh, we're already down 7 nothing. It, so it's over. It's a, over. As a Bengals fan that day, the Bengals had nothing to play for. They'd already secured the division the week before against the Chiefs uh, in that crazy game. Um, so there, I, I'm not even really paying attention. The Bengals threw out all their backups against the Browns. Um, and we're just watching the Colts game. And then, you know, we knew after the Colts game, we knew after the Colts took their awful L in Jacksonville. Because they didn't I, I just know, I didn't even game. I didn't have hope. As soon as we lost that game, I didn't care about the rest of the games. I was rooting for a tie. You remember that. I was rooting well, because, for the tie. So, so obviously, if you, most NFL fans will remember that if that, that Raiders-Chargers game in the – in Death Valley, 
well, the, the Death Star is what they call it, not Death Valley, the, the Death Star, where, where the Super Bowl will be this year in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Um, I, you know, that crazy game with all the drama and then the Raiders end up kicking a field goal after the whole timeout by, you know, whatever dumb call that uh, Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley yeah. decides to make this week. I'm sure we'll see more. And I just remember Carl just, just was like, well, I'm cursed. Right, and, and Carl's sports fandoms are interesting, right? Because you've got the Colts, who since a retirement of a certain player have really Andrew struggled Luck. to find, you know, any sort of consistency at the position. We'll see if that changes. It's got a real shot at changing if you I, can develop Anthony Richardson. I have right more way. hope than what I've had the last last year. And the um, Reds, the Reds are, are in a similar sort of spot right now as the Colts, where you know yeah. you've got a lot of young talent coming up through that organization. Uh, you know, the number one prospect in baseball, Ellie Daly. We didn't have ta- touched much on the Reds today, but they had a great weekend. They beat the Cubs. But they don't play today, and that's stupid. They they haven't been <laughs> scheduled on a holiday. They, they didn't play on 4th of July last year. I, I was complaining about this to you uh, yesterday yeah. on the drive home from the Indianapolis 500. I was sitting there like, Why? Why, why don't the Reds play today? It's a holiday. It's Memorial Day. Everyone should play on Memorial Day and the 4th of July, but well, for whatever reason, they don't. But the Reds are having, a, a, you know, a, definitely a, an improved season. I mean, last year that was bad. This year it's just okay, I think you'd probably say if you're a Reds fan, but you've got a lot of promise for the future with guys that are in the minor league system. The key that I think to prove that I'm a cursed sports fan is – my NBA fandom. I used to be a 76ers fan. You know, I got all excited. 2017, or 20, yeah, 2017. We play the Celtics, we lose. 2018, I think we played the Celtics again. No, 2018, we played the Celtics, we lose. 2019. Don't need any reminding. <laughs> grr, that shot. That shot, the again, bag. the Kawhi shot that just, I, it lives rent free in my head. Um, then we look lifeless in 2020 against the Celtics, and then in 2021 we blow multiple 20-point leads and a 3-1 series lead to the Atlanta Hawks. Hey, look, man, I'm pulling for you tonight because I know that Lord knows you deserve one. <laughs> I, I do, and I thought I had one, but I hey, I, hey. I don't believe it. No, there's a game tonight, man. You you gotta go in with a little bit of hope because that's the thing with sports fans nope. is as for as much pessimism as they have, you gotta have a little bit of hope. I am I am I am expecting nothing so that when nothing happens I won't be disappointed. Anyways, that's the sports van for today. Tune in tomorrow. Me and Jacob Mata will be here right here on WATH.